1: Lincoln Public Schools Superintendent, Dr. Steve Joel, is my guest on Lincoln Live today. Let's get started on a happy note. Merry Christmas, Steve.
0: Hey, same to you, Dale.
1: I long for the days when our conversations are eye-to-eye, when we don't begin with the subject of COVID. But unfortunately, today is not one of those days. So let's... Yeah, it just seems like it's been a long haul. Well, let's deal with reality here. For the fifth week, the COVID risk dial is in... The midway point in the red or severe category. Wondering what is the percentage or the number of students that are opting right now for remote learning.
0: A little, little bit over 20 percent. I, I, you know, I want to say the last number I looked at was around uh, between 21 and 22. Which again, you know, we saw a blip up right after we the city went red, um, but you know that was to be expected. I, I still think it's. The numbers aren't great uh, in terms of you, you know they could be thirty percent or thirty five percent. I think a lot of parents and a lot of students have confidence in our ability to keep them safe in school, and so I'm I'm encouraged by that. But you know I also know that people feel like they're taking a risk you know by being out there. So you know those are the numbers, right? We started at about twenty two or twenty three, so we're kind of back to where we started. Once the uh, the numbers started coming down, we had more students come back to uh, in person, and I think we'll continue to see that. You know, I think uh, this last week a little bit of encouragement with numbers that seem to have peaked. You know, I don't know if that reflects Thanksgiving vacation or not, but you know, it seems like we see a a, a kind of a technical shift every time there's a a headline, and in terms of families making personal decisions, so. We feel good about our plan. We feel good about you know parents still having choice and students having choice. Obviously our goal is to continue to have education and bring all of our kids back at some
1: point. Steve, I think it's fair to say that in-person courses in a perfect world on average are are more effective for students and that uh, students who already struggle with in-person classes are then likely to struggle even more with e-learning. Some of the articles that I'm reading backs that up. That is. And that happens regardless of how relatable a teacher is with remote learning. So this is not a question based upon knocking teachers at all. No. no, no. But how realistic is it, Steve, to believe that test scores, for example, will suffer or, or graduation rates could suffer if, if this pandemic engulfs the entire 2020-21 school year?
0: Oh, well, I think it's very realistic. And, you know, one of the things that we're concerned about is grade distribution in with regard to remote learners. Our in-person students are... You know, clearly doing better. Um, Remote learners, we've heard a lot of anecdotal concern raised by parents that their students that, you know, a year ago were A's and B's are getting C's for the first time in their lives. And I think students that we've talked with have shared that, you know, remote learning is difficult. And, you know, I've thought about this question a lot and I I get asked this question a lot. and, and, And here's how I might frame it up and and I would do it very very uh, with the caveat like you just issued that you know I'm not painting a broad brush if you're a student that has historically struggled with attentiveness and staying on task and concentration and focus you know think about ADhd students for example um, and and that's in a live classroom with a teacher that you know was walking around a class in your know, classroom and being able to establish contact with, with each student, you're apt to struggle in a remote learning environment for the for the for the obvious reasons. And I think the same thing with, with teachers, right? So if you're a teacher that is is still working to kind of mine your craft and, you know, might be a, a younger teacher, might be, you know, somebody that's come in as in terms of a second career all of a sudden, you know, trying to master the in-person instructional uh, uh, skills that you need to be successful, now you throw on, you've got to do remotes as well. I, I think that that's, that lends to some additional frustration. So, you know, overall, while remote learning is very, very important for us to offer as an option, and we have to do the very, very best we can with being as effective as we can, we have some challenges and some barriers. You know, one of them is we can't require kids to put on their videos teachers have said many many times in, in meetings that i've been a part of you know that's a frustration because we don't really know if the students there and you know our, our legal counsel tells us well you know privacy laws are such that you know you can't you can't force them to put on a camera into their living you know where they live and so that's one of the frustrations you know the other one is if you're a zooming again if you're having trouble with attentiveness and the contents not interesting you know, the teachers are working with the students in class or trying to connect with the the Zoomers. But, he, you know, you may as a student say, well, this is a good opportunity to play Minecraft or, you know, do something else. So, you know, I think it's, it stands to reason that we're probably going to see some, some uh, deterioration in overall assessments and, Grade distribution, and, you know, ultimately, that does impact uh, graduation, but it isn't because of lack of effort on our part. No. You know, we, what we need, Dale, and what we've said is, you know, parents that choose the, the Zoom option really have to be our partners in the home, at home. I
1: spent some time recently with a couple of teachers, uh, husband and wife, both teaching in the Lincoln Public School System. They've been at it now five years or so, and she was saying how she goes in uh, about 7 o'clock in the morning. And it's a quiet time. It's a time where she can establish her day, set accomplishment marks, both for her in-class students and her remote students and he chimed in about his course of expertise, his subject matter and how he had to also handle and it just I just sat back in my chair and I'm thinking good grief these are these are young people that are putting in this amount of time and this amount of effort and it just sounds like a struggle so it's tough being a teacher right now to handle both balls up in the air the remote learning and the in-person classes
0: you know, it really is. And, you know, we can't minimize that.
1: And and I, I'm
0: so proud of the response that our teachers and our administrators have had and, you know, how supportive our parents are. But you know, the reality of it is <clears throat> we need to think about what is the future going to be like, right? Is is Zoom learning or virtual learning gonna be part of the American fiber going forward? Because there's bound to be percentages of students and families across the country that are saying, you know, well, we much prefer this to what we have experienced in person. So I think we're developing a set of skills here that hopefully we don't have to use in the future, but if we do i think we're we're going to have it mastered you know we always said that with virtual learning or remote learning we're going to build this plane while it's flying in the air. And I think we've done that. And I think we've done a really good job of it. But yeah, I, I get the stress that the teachers are, are facing and the responsibility. And you know, they always want to do their best work. And can you really do it in this blended environment? But I don't know that we have any choice in that matter. You know, we're, we're going to, we, we've talked about virtual school as a, as a permanent option. But, you know, I, there's a big cost associated with that. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's never going to be revenue neutral, and we're moving into some—we'll be talking about this in the after the first of the year. I mean, we've got some major budgetary challenges that we're going to have to contend with as well, too. So, you know, again, I think most people are doing the best they can, and what we've said is do the best we can. I mean, I feel like that at my job. I know that the folks that I work with are saying the same thing, too. We're all frustrated. We're not getting – this doesn't feel normal, and, of course, it certainly isn't normal.
1: Well, LPS doing what it can, Steve, to provide the tools for success, uh, Chromebooks for grades 2, 6, and 9 approved by the school board this past meeting, that's an almost $3 million expense
0: it is and you know fortunately you know it's built into the budget and you know we you know we have to ask ourselves you know what are the investments that we have to continue to make um, and that's one of them, right? We've committed to a technology plan and, and that's, you know, that's something that we just have to maintain. And Kirk Langer does a tremendous job, you know, with us. You know, we started out with a three year refresh on Chromebooks and I think we're probably over four years now trying to, to milk every dime we can out of the system. But, you know, technology is a, as a as an instructional support is is not cheap, um, as everybody knows, and you know we but we you know we certainly have to make that commitment, and you know again we want our 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 young students as well as all of our students if we. But the day is going to come, Dale, you and I talked about this last time, I think, where, you know, we may not have snow days where we basically say, OK, in the event of snow cold, uh, teachers are going to upload assignments and you'll have your Chromebook home to use your assignments. So they're here to stay. And, you know, I think that, again, that's a part of our educational teaching uh, fiber that probably 10 or 12 years ago we didn't envision it would be to this level, but it is and it's probably accelerating.
1: I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, the COVID risk dial, it's in the red or severe category. That's one measuring stick. Another one is absence rate. Right now in Lincoln Public Schools, it's 4%. I've heard where education experts say when absences hit 5%, schools should go all remote. I've heard as high as 7% absence rate. Again, 4% right now at LPS. What point would need to be reached before a decision is made to go all remote?
0: Well, we're gonna we're gonna fight that decision as as hard as we can, and, and we're gonna look at going remote, based on individual programs and schools. And in fact, we've done that I think probably six or seven times thus far, where all of a sudden we've got uh, either a student or a staff attendance issue. Uh, quarantine or isolation and then we just make the call and it's you know we sit out for a week to give people a chance to to get back and it that becomes a remote learning experience so our goal has always been you know if we have to if we have to take a uh, uh, make a have a class go remote we'll do that and you know the next would be a building but it starts program class building and then ultimately district but i but i would envision the only way that we would go all remote as a system is if a higher authority directed us to do that? I think that our our parents and our community, you know, they want and expect us to be in school, and I think that's really our our obligation is to do the best we can. And understanding it's stressful, you know, we're having a class cover, we're you know, we're having to make adjustments on the fly. It's it's not the best instructional uh, ideology that uh, that we that we are are capable of doing, but you know, again, we'll do the best we can.
1: Steve, finally, in the in a couple of minutes left, uh, there are now three committees with board members on them to help determine names for the three new schools. Uh, the new high school on Northwest 48th and West Holdridge, the new high school South 70th and Saltillo, and the new elementary school at 102nd South of Holdridge. Uh, For the two high schools, you're running out of directions. (laughs) I mean, this comes up all the time to you. I know it does, but you're running out of directions to to name high schools. Where do you go?
0: Well, I don't know, you know, but I I think if anybody does it right, Lincoln does it right. Right. So Kathy Danik last night appointed uh, uh, broad-based committees uh, for each one of those sites. They will elicit um, ideas and, and options and Pure rationale for you, you, the you know why why somebody or some entity or you know what direction is warranted. So I think we'll do it right, and uh, I love the process because it it really engages a lot of voices. Anybody in the community can nominate, and as I recall, going through this with uh, Moore and. You know, some of the uh, Clefcorn and some of the other schools that I've been uh, around since I've been in Lincoln, you know, we get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of recommendations. So, um, it's not something that's taken lightly and ultimately the the name that's selected has really been thought about well. You know, um, it sounded almost too simple. Somebody once suggested to me the Southeast could be South Southeaster and we don't have a Northwest High School. So it'll be really interesting to me to follow the process to see, you know, what is this? Is this the time when we deviate from directions for for high school? So, yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a very curious process. Uh, I'm not involved in it, fortunately. I I don't have to worry about that one. But I know that uh, the folks that Kathy Danick appointed last night are high quality folks who really believe in Lincoln.
1: Yep. The committees will again meeting via Zoom, of course, starting in Mm -hmm. January. Steve, have a very Merry Christmas. Thanks. I appreciate you uh, always making yourself available in 2020, and we'll get at it again in 2021. Thank you very
0: much. Thank you, Dale. Happy holidays, and I certainly appreciate you as well. Take care.